over the course of human history. There's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. St. Francis of Assisi, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents... Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Uh, rains continue to fall out there. It's a deluge. But before we get into the topics at hand, uh, Nancy, I must ask you because I've heard it all weekend long. Weather forecasters, others describing the uh, inclement weather conditions that it's raining like cats and dogs out there. <laughs> now, do you, you take offense to that? Do our many cats at home take offense to that? It's raining like cats and dogs. <clears throat> uh, well, no, I don't. Uh, I don't take offense to it. Um, but you know, I mean, it, it sounds like a lovely sight to me. So, I mean, I guess, it, I guess, in that way, it's it's really kind of a a nice phrase. Well, what is what is the origin of that? It's raining like cats and dogs. Um, let's see. So, I, I think it's I think it's Greek origin. I could be wrong, but um, you know, obviously, like given the the unusual nature of seeing something like that. Um, I think it, what it was supposed to be was a reference to something that was just so unbelievable, you know, you couldn't imagine seeing it. So I think that's what the reference was, too. Well, speaking of Greek, uh, about a week ago, Frank Morano had on a great guest. He's the Rat Man. He is a young man who had come to New York City from St. Louis. And uh, he works in a pizzeria in Sunnyside, Queens. He makes pizzas, but he was fascinated by all the rats that he saw in New York City, and he actually put out there on TikTok, you know, just films of rats frolicking about, and then he noticed that people were contacting him from all over the world. This used to happen years ago when people would uh, come to New York City to do graffiti from other countries because they thought, oh, this is the Mecca, this is Medina. Well, people all over the world feel that New York City is the Mecca, the Medina of rats. So he did these TikTok uh, videos and people were coming to New York City and they were saying, I'm coming here because I want to take a tour to see the rats. And all of a sudden he had a side hustle, a side business, which he really does for nothing. He, he doesn't get paid, but he sells them all kinds of tchotchkes. And he mentioned that when he went to Athens, because he's part Greek, the reason they didn't have any rat problems there in such an ancient city is because they have all cats. Listen to what he told Frank Morano about a week ago. I think cats, for sure, you can have them. Um, when I went to Athens, Greece, I don't know if anyone's been to Greece, but I am, I'm half Greek. Uh, there was cats mm -hmm. everywhere, and I didn't see any rats in I think that would be a good suggestion for at least the NYCHA housing. Uh, I know you know a lot of NYCHA housing has problems with rats. That's a a big 
big thing here in New York City. It's New York City Housing mm-hmm. Authority for anyone that's watching around the country, but um, it's public housing here. Uh, but I think cats would be a good suggestion for those places. Now, here's a guy who's made his whole life now following rats, taking uh, Europeans, South Americans, people from Australia on rat tours. And yet he, with all of his experiences, says the best preventative towards the increase of a rat population are cats. Well, I mean, certainly, right? So that the concept of having cats in any environment where that, you know, sort of being the result is, I mean, that's pretty much a worldwide uh, phenomenon. And, you know, unfortunately in Greece, like the, the other issue is that, you know, they, having the large feral cat population, the spaying and neutering, but it, it's just a reality. There is that connection. So there's a lot of people who, um, you know, uh, do have cats who take care of cats outdoors. Now, in terms of the NYCHA um, location specifically, we've been in touch with a number of people who've reached out to us before, uh, you know, for different varieties of help because, you know, the problem is uh, with trying to, I mean, the, the same problem with trying to institute colonies anywhere throughout New York City, even though it's through NYCHA building, you would think, oh, well, this should go hand in hand with the city. The city would want to help. They would want to institute this plan. But, um, you know, there have been more than um, you know, like a number of instances where, you know, people are living in NYCHA um, property and they are taking care of cats and then all of a sudden there's an issue and then it becomes a bureaucratic thing. Well, you know, I can't do anything for you. We're going to, you know, stop uh, allowing you to feed the cats. We're going to close up an area where they're living and there's basically no recourse. It's like, you know, take it up with the city hall type of response. So, I mean, it, it's a great idea, but it, the the practicality lies in, it being recognized as something legitimate so that people can, you know, get behind it, do it, spend their time, and know that it's going to mean something. Well, I noticed that the people they generally go to to find out the best ways of eliminating rats or suppressing the rat population are exterminators. (laughs) This is their business. This is what they do. They do it with all kinds of uh, baits and traps and pesticides and poisons so I noticed they always put down the concept of cats deterring rats. And I keep telling reporters when they ask me, well, this expert who's been in the field for 20 years and has his own extermination company, I said, lady, listen, if he advocated people who had cats, he'd be out of business. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly, because the, I mean, obviously the concept of the extermination, it's a one-time thing, but... You know, because you live in a city and you're not on an island, you're connected to everything else. So you take care of your property, but the person next door who didn't or the the garbage can that's overflowing at the corner, well, that's where the rats, they'll come back to your property after the baits go away. So, yeah, there, it is a, a problem that if you address it this way, you know, it would actually be addressing it more at the root cause as opposed to the poisons, which really, as you can see, don't work. You know, um I had an opportunity today when we uh, schlepped up to uh, uh, to uh, Riverdale at 238th and Waldo. Boy, those were, those were a series of stairs. I thought we were going to go up to heaven <laughs> walking up there from 238th down near the old Riverdale Diner up to 238th and Waldo. And Nancy, what did you think when we were met with a chorus telling me to go home? 
What did you think of the way I was uh, greeted since you were side by side with me? Well, I mean, uh, I mean, my my presumption is most of those people who are chanting have no idea who you are. Um, that being said, that's fairly um, despicable that that would be happening. So, yeah, it's just, I mean, again, and the whole concept of saying, well, I don't like, you know, hey, I don't like your opinion, your point of view. Obviously, there's lots of ways to express it. People who were there today with us were expressing and venting their frustration very logically at the powers that be. And then you just had this, you know, sort of reactionary group of people who just said, oh, I don't want you to be able to talk your opinion. Like, yeah, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. So I really can't respect that. Well, I know, but you notice I was all for toots. I was loving every second of it. I wanted <laughs> I more. I was like, Mitch Miller, come on, more, more. But <laughs> after they left, because it was a really bad day rain-wise. Yes, it was. The demonstrators left, uh, the people that we were supporting left, and then we went across the street to the pizzeria. The pizzeria guy wanted to uh, meet me, mm-hmm. and we took a photo. But I noticed behind his counter, he had a cat. <laughs> now, you see, uh, owners and operators of mom-and-pop shops, restaurants, wherever food is served, never want to tell you that they have a cat on the premises, which is so ridiculous because the cat keeps the rats, the rodent, and the uh, mice population at bay. Yet if a health department inspector would come in, Nancy, what would probably have happened to that pizzeria owner? Well, I mean, they're definitely permitted to fine uh, the, you know, the owners of the food establishment. So, you know, the, the, the most annoying initial thing would be uh, you're going to slap them with like a several hundred dollar fine and these are the people who clearly are going to want to pay that because they are in business, so it's going to be attached to them some some way, shape, or form. So it's not like these tickets you give to people who you have no idea what, what's going on. Like they're in a stationary location. So, yeah, I mean, it's you we shouldn't be messing with them with you know that because that's messing with their livelihood. Well, the most interesting thing is, once again, Mayor Eric Adams who owns property, he has a four-floor tenement, Brownstone, Lafayette Avenue in the heart of Bed-Stuy. Used to be predominantly all uh, African-American. It is now like 50-50. A lot of white hipsters and millennials have moved in, bought houses there. He has that uh, home. Uh, <clears throat> the basement apartment is empty. That's where he claimed to, to have lived during the campaign, but that's where his son Jordan had lived for a while. He's moved out. So four apartments, two of them are empty, and again, the inspector who checks everyone's property for rat droppings and burrows, this is where the rats go in and out of somebody's uh, property, have written him up again with another $300 ticket saying that he is the source, his building is the source for the rat problem on the whole block. Yeah, right. So now this is the fourth um, um, fine that he's gotten since May of 2022. And uh, to your point, right, rat droppings uh, near the cans, but then also multiple rat burrows. So they were locating them like near the front doors. And I mean, basically near all these areas that, you know, if it really is well trafficked, I mean, people would see and say, oh, I'm walking past a, a rat burrow. Like maybe i got to call someone to clean this up. So, you know, this isn't something that has popped up overnight, and especially if you know that 
you know, you've been put on notice multiple times that this is going on. You know, he's, you know, I would think just from just that sort of a public media sort of concept, you would want to make sure that you keep this in check. But, um, of course, like his press secretary doubles down, like, oh, he's going to personally take care of this and personally fight this. Like, like he doesn't have more important things to do because he wants to draw a line in the sand because he hasn't done this correctly. I mean, I'm not really sure why he's trying to fight this. I mean, he did something wrong. But Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. You and I were there. We offered our help to put two feral cats on the property. If the cats are fed and they have water, they don't leave the property. They stay right there. We had their their house, their little house. He he had no problem initially. Remember, he, oh, yeah, whatever you can do. Uh, We'll talk about you being Ratshaw later. Three days later, if we cleaned up the property, we we sealed up the burrows because the rats had burrowed right into his basement apartment. He told me, basically, pack up and get the hell out of there. Get the F out of there. And he continues to have problems. Now, I got to tell you, how the hell are you going to get hold of a rat problem and control it in the city when you can't even control it on your own property and you're mayor of the city of New York? Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly doesn't speak well to his ability to make that happen. And also, he could have, you know, been using this as an opportunity, you know, to really explain, like, oh, this is why it becomes so difficult to, you know, approach things on a house-by-house basis. Although, I mean, we were, like, in the area a number of times, and you can see there are people who clearly have made it a priority to um, secure the garbage, which, I mean, that's what it is. It's just as long as you don't have a a place for them to want to show up and eat. So the fact that you have certain places that don't have these fines levied against them and you look at their property and you can tell it's well-maintained, so he's not doing it right. Like, just admit it. You're not doing the you're not no, doing I, I would I would suggest, look, he, he's not like Donald Trump, somebody who's used to handling real estate. He does a lousy job. Sell the, <laughs> sell the freaking building. Uh, you're a hipster millennial. I mean, they're coming in from Ohio, Iowa, Idaho. They would pay a ransom to have that brownstone, right? Yeah, I mean, but I heard it got rats, so I don't think so. (laughs) Should we offer, Nancy, should we offer again to deal with his rat problem? This is kind of embarrassing. Should we bring our two cats, Batman and Robin, down there? We'll do do a discount rate, given given the, you know, importance of the issue right now. I mean, how can he say no to cats now? He's tried everything. I don't know how he can say no. It's it's really illogical. Imagine the inspectors knowing they're going to be writing up the mayor. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, when they said boroughs, I think they really meant, like, condos and high-rises. Exactly. They were trying to be nice. Exactly. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Mayor Eric Adams, again, has a rat problem on his property, and one of his own inspectors wrote him a ticket to be continued. Great story here in Michigan. A toddler was found sleeping with dogs in the woods. The toddler was missing. Tell us what happened there. 
Okay, so this was a two-year-old who had wandered away from their their property at like eight o'clock at night. So obviously the the family contacts the police, and they had drones, they had police dogs. Um, you know, eventually, uh, um, maybe like six hours later, they found this two-year-old three miles away from the house with the two family dogs, and. She was sleeping on one of the dogs, and the other dog was, like, at her feet protecting her. Wow, that's amazing. How many miles away from the home? Three, mi- three miles away, and this girl was only, is only two years old. So she must have walked with the dogs, got tired, uh, laid down, and the dogs then covered her and protected her like a, like a wagon train would circle the wagons. They circled around her. Yeah, and where they found her, it wasn't, you know, like on the side of a more of like a, a cemented area. It was deep in the woods. So that's why they had to, it was ultimately someone who had an ATV who was part of the, I guess, community search was able to locate. So this two-year-old was able to get deep within the woods with the two dogs by her side. Hmm. Our number is one 800 that was a great story about dogs and how protective they are of people. Here is a troubling story about dogs because apparently there is an incurable dog disease which is on the rise, and now three people have it. What is this all about? Okay, so, yeah, it's most troubling, unfortunately, for the dogs because they're the, the recipients of the, the worser fate. So, um Apparently in the UK, there um, three people have been diagnosed uh, with having contracted a bacterial infection that comes specifically from dogs. Um, and, you know, it's, I mean, it seems like it's really only something that someone who breeds dog, dogs would come into contact with in the first place. And it, it has, so basically it's affected just these three individuals. Now in dogs... It causes infertility um, and reproductive issues. So it's almost as though, uh, you know, basically the dog can't have any, uh, you know, any offspring. But they have to be euthanized. That's the government policy. So people who contract it, they can just have um, a course of antibiotics. They're good to go. But apparently there's the influx of cases. So in, before 2020, only three cases of this existed in humans. And as of uh, today, in the past three years, there's 86 cases, and they're actually making this connection. Um, during the pandemic, what happened was there was a lot of these rescue dogs coming from Eastern Europe, um, specifically Romania, and it seems like a number of these dogs had um, this type of issue, which is now affecting not only um, people but dogs. So, yeah, I mean, so, something spread from Eastern Europe in the rescue dogs, so... Yeah, something to be to be on the lookout if you live in the UK. Apparently, well, talking about people and dogs, there are a group of people in the world who identify as dogs, and apparently they gathered in a city center. Where the hell was this? And <laughs> what is wrong with these people? Yeah, well, I'm not sure what's wrong with them, um, except for. You know, this sort of loose identification with the dogs, um, you know, whatever that means for each person, I guess. But uh, this happened in Berlin, Germany. And, uh, you know, apparently this is a a yearly thing where people who 
identify as dogs attend these rallies and they dress up as canines. They also just like, they don't even talk. They just, you know, bark and howl at each other. <laughs> so this is apparently a thing in Germany. Now these are people in dog costumes. <clears throat> Do they actually go up next to a tree and lift their legs? <laughs> well, well, they, they were sort of trying to figure out how they handled that. There was no answer to that question, but um, yeah, apparently, you know, again, this is a thing. So, you know, I mean, we've covered some stories before where people really go all in to identify with animals like 24-7. So I guess just one one day out of the year isn't that bad. We've been talking nonstop about migrants, illegal aliens uh, cutting across the border and invading our area. Now they're talking about giving therapy dogs to migrants to comfort them? Where is this happening? Well, I mean, it's it's already, I mean, it's already happening. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, like, obviously the concept of the therapy dogs is great. Um, you know, uh, the idea is great, um, but this is happening just within some of these um, local intake centers in New York City. So, you know, the city, uh, the, the services that are handling the migrants uh, also contracted with uh, some of these uh, nonprofits that have the therapy dogs, so they're bringing them in as, you know, the families are in the intake centers to try and bring comfort to the migrants or the children or, you know, a combination of the whole situation. So, um, yeah, that's what's going on. All right, and I see there is some positive news about uh Birds in New York City that the bald eagle population has soared here. I didn't know we had that many bald eagles. Yeah, so actually, I, I think they were they use that term pretty loosely to say it's soared because apparently four is considered a bustling population, um, and it starts with two a pair that initially came to Staten Island in 2015, and then last year another pair. Um, they settled in another area in uh, Staten Island, I think by the Great Kills area. So, I mean, again, so they're touting these four. And, you know, oh, the reason why is because all these protections that have gone into the environment, right, the, the, um, the bans against pesticides like DDT and things like that, and then also the protection of the waterways. Now, here's the really curious part. So they're touting why some of the population theoretically could have returned, now, their biggest food source is um, fish. Uh, so th- th- here's, the, here's the problem. All of these wind turbines being built, they've already been killing bald eagles left and right. So I don't think it's a good thing that they've settled here. I think it's they're running out of space at this point. So, I mean, something to be keeping an eye out for because four is great, but they've killed like hundreds already with these wind turbines. Now, speaking of birds, flamingos. <laughs> Are settling in Wisconsin, Wisconsin. The only flamingos that would be in Wisconsin would be on a lawn of maybe Vince Lombardi when he was coach at Green Bay, because Italians would always have these plastic pink flamingos along with the Blessed Mother or Jesus Christ. Actual, real pink flamingos in the Cheesehead State. Actual real flamingos. Only three of them were pink because two of them were like juvenile, so they're like gray uh, still. But they they didn't apparently by choice they didn't make this their home. 
they just landed here following the hurricane. So this is this is what is being surmised that the hurricane winds just blew all of these flamingos off course because they didn't just land um, in Wisconsin. Uh, they also landed in a whole bunch of other odd places like Indiana and Pennsylvania and Ohio, like where they've never been before. So again, the theory goes, oh, the winds from the hurricane just blew them off course. But you know, I'm I'm not really sure if that makes sense or they're just trying to come up with some reason because it doesn't seem like a <laughs> like it makes a lot of sense. So the flamingos were not on their way to Capistrano, right? <laughs> no. How the hell did they end up in Eau Claire, Wisconsin? Well, the other part they said is that it's an unusually high temperature, right? So maybe they're mistaking the area for a place that makes sense because the first day um, that it just hit right now for fall, 80 degrees there. So maybe they just got confused. Oh, boy. You mean (laughs) global warming, climate change. Global warming, maybe. By the way, uh, uh, right near us in Central Park, they had that global concert. Uh, What was it called again? Um, um, Global Citizens. Right, it was, it was packed. The Generation Zers were all with hefty trash bags on. It was pouring rain. And you told me, because I had to leave, and we, yeah. we could hear the audio from it. Sure, sure. That the person who got the biggest round of applause was Bill Nye, the science guy. Yeah, I, actually, that I can't figure out because, I mean, he must be part of a, yeah, a group that I'm not aware of because... For some reason, he did so well the first time out. And, you know, again, as you can imagine, it was, like, boring because they started with a lot of pre-recorded message, messages from politicians, like, who no one wanted to hear from after they were standing in the rain for, like, six hours. So then all of a sudden he came on and the crowd goes crazy. So then they had to bring him out again, like, 30 minutes later just to juice the crowd up again. So, yeah, he was, like, the biggest hit. Well, you see, they've all, since their Generation Z, they, when they were kids— and young adults, they grew up watching Bill Nye, the science guy, on TV. And yes. this, this is all he said on the stage. He got a standing ovation. Climate change is a real and serious issue. That's all he said. <laughs> Climate change is a real and serious issue. And they all they gave him a standing ovation. None of the other acts, not the Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, none of the performers, none of the K-pop. Although I must say the, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, they had, um, I think... I think the guy who who plays the guitar is called Flea. He had like a guitar riff that was insane. Like I think that was probably the best part of the show. Now, finally, before we go to the calls, PetSmart, a PetSmart whistleblower has exposed animal cruelty at the pet superstore. Could you uh, break it down for us? Yeah. So um, you know, this is like uh, a continuation of people who have worked at this store who expose different forms of animal cruelty. So uh, this guy who'd been working there for about six months or so, um, you know, once he started to call out some of the things he was noticing, basically the animal abuses, he winds up getting his hours cut and then he gets fired. But he took enough video footage where, you know, he was able to document all the things that he saw. Now, again, think about the way that the, you know, the puppy mills, you want to ban them because the way that the puppies are treated, right? You don't see how bad they're treated now. You know, with animals that are sold at these stores like this, I mean, most of them, there's almost like an intention that they're going to be fed to another animal or they're only going to live for a couple of days. Like, 
it almost seems like there's very little care that goes into it, and certainly in terms of hiring people who are supposed to care for these animals. So he was documenting all of these things where basically, you know, um, fish would be delivered in the morning, and it would be like six, eight hours before, you know, someone would put them into a tank, and they're sitting in like, you know, a teaspoon of water, you know, where animals would just be left who were dying in the back room, and it's like no one was helping them. They were just like letting them. So he was documenting this stuff. So again, I mean, it's sadly just a continuation. And one of the reasons you probably don't want to go to any of those stores that sells these animals, because the presumption is they're not being treated correctly. 1-800-848-9222. WABC. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. To the phones we go, and it's Rachel calling all the way from Ohio. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour of WABC, Rachel. Thank you so much for taking my call. I have some information on rat birth control medication. A place called Syntec has a birth control pill that is considered environmentally safe for all creatures. And as they said, rats usually live about a year. So if you treat them with this stuff, you could probably wipe out the population in a year's time. I didn't know if you were interested in seeing what you could find out about them, but it sounds like a really humane way to handle the problem. Safe for the cats. Oh, yeah, a lot better, Rachel. In fact, we'll get your information. We'll make Ken actually do some work here when we're finished speaking with you. But uh, we have our mayor here, Eric Adams, when he was Brooklyn Borough president, put on a demonstration of how he would get rid of the rat problem by drowning them and then ladling them out of a... uh, this huge container which, like, grossed everybody out, really grossed them out. Yeah, and actually they had um, done um, something previously in Bryant Park, uh, you know, a little bit of a pilot program. But to your point, they only kept it in, in play for about six weeks. And then they said, oh, it didn't work, like as though it could work in six weeks. That's not how it works. Well, I'll tell you what, Rachel, stay on the line. Ken, uh, make yourself worthwhile and uh, get uh, Rachel's information so we can follow up on that. I. I was uh, going to try to use some of my entrepreneurial skills, which are non-existent, <laughs> to try to develop condoms for male rats. Why not a male rat condom? Anyway, let's go to Joanne calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Joanne. Yes, um, you don't need cats for the rat issue, but you, what you do need is SenseTech in flagship Arizona that has humane birth control for rats, mice, deer, raccoons, and it's used in the White House in Washington, D.C., in 29 or 39 states with great success. Oh, well, hold on. You got to stay on also. Apparently, Joanne has information about, boy, this is like Planned Parenthood, you know, marital (laughs) birth control for animals. You know what? And I'm not surprised because New York City is consistently behind every other state when it comes to logical approaches to these issues. Well, make sure that Ken actually, do you think he can multitask and get Joanne's information too about that product? 
Let's go to Doug, who's calling from upstate New York. He'll turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC, Doug. Good evening, Curtis and Nancy. Uh, I, I admire you two tremendously for your, the work you all do uh, rescuing cats. I, too, am a cat rescuer. I have a uh, shelter here for 33 hard-to-adopt cats that I've had for 10 years. Anyhow, my question is, Nancy had said, made, made a comment about uh, the bald eagles being killed by wind turbines. Did you mean there was, and you said hundreds. Are you yeah. meaning hundreds of bald eagles were killed, have been killed by wind turbines? Yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. I have, like, so. That, that's, a federal, that's a federal criminal offense. Uh, yes, yes. These, these operators it, should be, uh, they should be uh, in, in, uh, subpoenaed or whatever. Yeah, and, 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 and they keep dropping the ball and saying, oh, we don't have enough people to prosecute. They're prosecuting as much as they can. But even still, the fact that you just give a penalty to the company and then let them permit doing like Yeah, yeah where, the hell, where the hell is the Sierra Club, the Audubon Society, et cetera? Exactly. Yeah, well, in fact, uh, Doug, uh, we are uh, put off. Greenpeace, we discussed this last week, that yeah. risked their lives to protect yeah. whales that were being illegally hunted by Japan and Norway, yeah. risked their lives. And on this issue, they're quiet, silent. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. It's really, I, 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 you know, groups change. Uh, the lure of money sometimes changes them. But I always look at Greenpeace. I said, these are valiant men and women. They're going in front of these trawlers of Japan. Japan. They uh, the Japanese would shoot harpoons at them on those boats. Uh, the Norwegians would take evasive uh, measures in the North Sea and sometimes try to uh, ram their ships all to save the whales, and now nothing. Let's go to Joe in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Giuseppe. Yeah, talking about ramming ships. To- <coughs> uh, I want to relate a story of bats to the whales. Uh, you know, given that the whales operate on sonar, they might end up ramming ships. Uh, uh, but circa when I'm eight years old, I'm staying at a cabin. They provide like a. a... Did we lose? Uh, I think, unfortunately, we lost him. Uh, Ken, what the hell did you do to uh, drop him like a bad habit? See, this is the problem, man. See, I have to use the Frank Morano JV crew instead of uh, the varsity the crew that uh, passed, I have. He threw the wires, and he couldn't. He couldn't finish his call. Yeah, well, they they, they inadvertently <laughs> dropped him. Uh, our apologies out we'll there. We'll get him hopefully. We'll get him. Let's go to Michelle in Pennsylvania. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC. Michelle. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Curtis. Nancy was right when she said. Um, the euphemism for raining cats and dogs. But really, it comes from back in the 16th century, people who had thatch roofs used to bring their domestic animals in and put them up in the rafters. And when it rained so hard, the cats and dogs would actually fall from the roof. (laughs) Wow. Wow, that's incredible. Right, so just enough. I mean, like I said, Nancy was right. I've heard about it coming back from the Greeks, too, as an expression. But, again, back in the day, when they would put them up in the rafters, if it rained that hard and the thatch wore out, it would actually be raining cats and dogs. (laughs) That's a great story. I like that. Let's go to my namesake, Kurt, in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Kurt. Hey, Curtis, and hello, Nancy. Hello. 
I want, I, uh, Curtis, I, ha- I have a dog, right? He's, he's approximately 110 pounds, and he's a bundle of muscle. He has brought me down uh, to the ground on several occasions. The last time resulted in a broken rib. This, is, this happens when he sees other dogs. Now, about three years ago, I was in the, uh, I live in the Port Richmond section of Staten Island, and I was in the public library, and I came across a book called The Dog Bible. And so I looked at because my girlfriend also has a dog. She's got a pit bull. He, he's a horrible puller. He, he actually walks her. She doesn't walk him. So I, I found this in, in this book. There's a lot of information on, on raising and training dogs. Dog treats. If a person has a dog that pulls, carry about two or three dog treats in your, in your pocket. When the dog starts to pull, actually, if he knows that you have them, he keeps looking back at you. He's not paying attention to anything else. And, and 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 it kind of curbs the the, the pulling. Ah, so uh, you use the power of the treats. Now, Nancy, I notice you do that also with our many cats. You uh, offer them treats, and boy, they are very compliant at that point. Yeah, I mean, and for me, it's just more of uh, a little bit of a trying to get them to not do annoying behavior, but. Certainly, when you have a dog, and in terms of training, like I think there's a lot of people who don't prioritize training the dog as much as they need to, especially given that, I mean, I see so many people walking around, and you can tell they don't really have a lot of experience. Oh, you know, random people are walking up to them. Like, there's there's just a lot of ways that you need to control your dog. And, I mean, I, I th- again, I think it's a relationship that people need to understand a little better it's not like oh i'm just going to get them and walk them outside like there is a whole <laughs> like sort of command there's a hierarchy you have to be able to control them because you're in the city there's so many stimuli you need to be able to you know settle them let's go to al in new jersey your turn to be heard here on the animal welfare edition of wabc al hey hi kids how are you doing tonight um this is an upbeat true dog protection story that involved my wire-haired fox terrier whose loyalty to me at four years old still amazes me today, and I'm uh, over 80. Anyway, it was a Halloween night about 1944. My parents were away at a Halloween party, and my babysitter was making out with her boyfriend and ignored me when I wanted a glass of water, so I copped out and left out the back door of the house, and my loyal fox terrier was right at my side walking with me. And I actually followed the fox terrier, and about a mile away, we were at the back door of a store where my fox terrier used to go with my mother. And the two old guys who were uh, playing cards inside were amazed. The dog was scratching on the door, and they opened it, and they found a four-year-old kid and his dog. (laughs) And so that dog and its loyalty it still amazes me today. What do you think? Wow, that is amazing. That that sort of couples with the story that we started out the animal welfare show about the uh, three-year-old or two-year-old who uh, walked three miles with uh, the two dogs from the house. And then I guess the uh, young baby uh, child was all tired, uh, collapsed from exhaustion, and the dog surrounded her to protect her, and she actually used one of the uh, dogs like uh, my pillow. <laughs> yeah, Amazing. and clearly the, the terrier was really on point to actually bring you somewhere where safety was at. 
It is. Oh, that is. Yeah. Oh, that makes you feel so good. That's why they say man's best friend, woman's big. What are you saying now that we're in this woke society, Nancy? For years, we grew up. It was like man's best friend, a dog. Now, what do we say? They, the, he, she, I. Well, what do we say? I'm not. I'm not putting enough time to think into that right now. I'm just going to focus on the animals. Yeah, I know, but you're the hipster millennial, so you ought to know. Anyway, let's go to Giuseppe calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Joey. Uh, hi, I'm. I'm back. Yeah. Well, what I wanted to describe. I'm eight years old. I'm rowing a boat, and in the evening, and I'm, I'm uh, you know, along the shore of France Lake. So I have to come back three miles. All of a sudden, bats are diving at my head, relying on a navigation system at the last possible second from hitting me, like a, a foot away. And then just so, what would have happened if the if something was wrong with one of their na- navigation systems? Just one bat, I would have got hit in the head. So just the idea of something environmentally affecting the navigation system of a whale, a bird, a bat, what's your thoughts on that, the dangers? I mean, I clearly there's like little to no thought that ever goes into that concept for any animals, and it's so important, right? The same way that the, oh, we, the, all these initiatives to shut lights off in buildings so birds don't crash into them. There's so much that can be done and should be done, and a lot of needless noise. But, again, animal rights, they just are so, so, so far lagging behind. Like, that level of, you know, thought that you're putting into this, it's like, unfortunately, I feel like it's so far away. Like, we just need a revolution when it comes to animal rights. Let's go to Margie in the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Margie. Hi. Um, we have a neighbor and that uh, doesn't seem to like cats. We have construction going on the block, and the cats keep all the rats away. There's no rats on this block at all. And this man shot one of the cats. It's a small cat. It weighed about 10 pounds, maybe, and he shot it in the leg. And one of the neighbors took it to the vet. It spends a lot of money, almost $2,000 right now, and trying to nurse this cat back with his leg. He can't walk, so she's helping him. And the neighbors on the block, we have feral cats, about maybe four, and everybody feeds them, shelters them, and takes care of them. And this idiot uh, shot this little cat. And he's putting red pepper all over his front yard, front of his house, so they can't go on his make-believe lawn. <laughs> and he's just so bad. And uh, he shoots pigeons, he shoots squirrels, and anything else that he doesn't like. What can we do besides going to the police, which was not very successful? Well, it's not going to be successful now. The cops, uh, they don't even deal with... Uh Problems affecting human beings, they're going to probably just completely discount this. So I'll tell you what, stay on the line, Margie. Kenny, uh, make yourself useful here. I realize with Frank Morano coming up, you'll be uh, on the runway, you know, doing your modeling routine while somehow trying to justify your existence as a, what what does Frank call them, a telephone talent coordinator. This guy has 
exactly not even a thumbnail of talent in his whole body. But on that note, Nancy, if people were interested in reaching out to you and getting more information about animal welfare situations, how can they reach you? Sure. Uh, you can visit uh, guardianangels.org, go to animal uh, protection tab, or you can email me, nancy at guardianangels.org. And what kind of advice would you give to people now that we are in the second day of this tsunami and there will be rain most of the day tomorrow? What should they do about animals who live outdoors but that they see on a regular basis? Well, I mean, at a minimum, I would say to whatever extent you can open something up like a garage, a shed, you know, any place where they can just shield themselves um, from the rain, that makes a big difference because, you know, the problem is anytime they get wet, they get cold, you don't want them catching anything. So if you could just open up a door in a place where, you know, they're not going to really take up too much space, they'll sit in the corner until the rain's done and, you know, it'll be fine. So anytime you can open up something or put a box out, put uh, anything like that, it's helpful. I do appreciate that. Coming up, oh, do I got beef with him. Dominic Carter, best friend in the media core that the crooked Bobby Menendez ever had in his life. WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Oh, that's what Senator Bobby Menendez is hoping for, the return of the Mac. He will have a press conference tomorrow, Dominic, in which he is saying, I will not step down. In fact, I'm announcing my re-election effort in serving another six years for the people of New Jersey so I could be side by side. With a man who sat there in that celebrity pew along with Lindsey Graham, Cory Booker, to show him support when you were in the court, a member of the uh, Fourth Estate, a reporter covering that first indictment and trial in Newark. And I will never forget that when he would assemble uh, the press corps outside to address whatever happened that day in court, he would never start. He would actually go out of his way and say, where's Dominic Carter? We can't start without Dominic Carter. Hey, where has anybody seen Dominic Carter? How, how did you develop a relationship like that with this crook? Well, what Senator Menendez is engaging in, Mr. Sliwa, is defiance. But this time it's over. It's over. The best thing he can do, I'll make this point in uh, just a couple of minutes, the best thing he can do is cut a deal with the feds. It's over. All right? So how we establish the relationship, it's amazing how, uh, how kind a person can get when their back is up against the wall. And so every day when he arrived at court, it was like arriving to his own um, uh, slaughter, like he was being slaughtered. 
with the press. And I, you know that I believe in treating people the way I would like to be treated. And so I treated him with compassion. Don't look at me like that. I treated him with compassion and we de- developed a relationship. And especially during with all of them that have gone through uh, these corruption trials, Sheldon Silver, I did developed a, a relationship. Uh, Joe Pacoco, uh, who was the Senate Majority Leader that um, Bruno uh, Bruno, uh, the one from down here, oh, Long Island, Nick the Greek Skelos. Uh, yes, uh, Skelos, all of them, because you get to see them in a different light. When the feds got you pent up against the wall, and I say this to everybody. If the feds come, you might as well take a deal because Menendez, I didn't know at the time that one of the jurors, many of some of the jurors were watching my coverage on television every day. I don't even know if they were supposed to. And so the jurors were aware of who I was. And Menendez, we would talk every morning. And I, I was with him at times when he would sob, when he would cry, when he thought his life was over. And, you know, we just developed a relationship. And yet... Just months after yes. the federal judge announced that they would not re-prosecute him, he was back at it. At a new wife, an Armenian wife from Cliffside Park, and he was like again getting wine dined and pocket lined. This time by an Egyptian guy who had never been in the halal meat business before. Suddenly, it's almost like when Melgin, uh, the ophthalmologist, yes. had never been in the security business before and got contracts to do security in the DR. Well, what Melgin did, you're right, you're right. The for the security for the port, the port, he no experience in that. But what Melgin did was an eye doctor, and I remember it, Curtis, like it was yesterday in the courtroom with the uh, prosecution witness. One of the drugs, eye medication, cost fifteen hundred dollars, right? One-time use, and then you're supposed to throw away the remainder the remainder of it because it could lead to an eye infection if you use it on somebody else. Melgen was using it on, according to the feds, on two, three patients and billing $1,500 a pop for mm. each patient. And so the stories that we heard at trial and some of the young ladies that walked in, uh, alleged prostitutes, um, uh, 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 flights on uh, Senator on Melgen's aircraft, all types of stuff. But it's it, it's this is why I'm saying he should cut a deal. Now, did he ever take you to his favorite hangout? He didn't take me West anywhere. New York, uh, San Cubano. <laughs> no, 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 no. We never hung out with each other. Strictly business, journalist, newsmaker. Period. Mm. And and so now, but it's question, the same type of stuff will, this time around. Uh, if he does go on trial, if he decides to fight this, your, your it's prediction suicide. is right. It's suicide if he goes on but trial. But will Cory Booker and Lindsey Graham show up in that celebrity pew to no. give him? No, I don't think so. Because even at the first tr- trial, Cory Booker snuck in the back. And I did everything in my power. I had three cameras stationed around the federal courthouse in Newark. And he still beat me at my own game. Got in the courthouse without, he didn't want to be seen. He didn't want a, a photo op. And By so way, L- yeah. Lindsey Graham walked in the front door and stopped and talked to me, but did not he, Cory uh, Booker. Did he show up with his boo? Did did, uh, did who show up? Cory Booker. Uh, his boo? Did I, I didn't boo? see him with a woman, you know, coming in. Right, um, his, you, know. you didn't see Lindsey Graham with a boo either, did you? <laughs> okay, I just want to clarify that. By the way, uh, I oh boy, it's I traveled, getting hot in here. I traveled back to the Bronx today. Yeah, I see. 
It was uh, rainy, as you know. I see. We got off the train, I and Nancy, uh, 238th Street. We walked up the hill past the old Riverdale Diner that's closed. We slept all the way up those steps. The diner's steps. closed? The Riverdale closed, Diner? man. So many. New Hyde Park recently I was there, which is on the border with Nassau and Queens by Creedmoor. They're closing. Diners are closing all over the place. But anyway, we slept up. Uh, the steps in the mm-hmm. rain because I'm there to do the rally uh, against the uh, illegal aliens. And all of a sudden, there were people there to meet me. Let's see. What were they saying? At least they got rhythm. That's right. Well, these were the younger socialists. They, they had a little glide to their stride. Well, what kind of homecoming is that, Dominic Carter? <laughs> hey, brother, I, you know, you got to take the good with the bad. The I, bad with the good. I don't know. I don't know. And then, and then I was on the, with the outer caucus that I was there for. What were they saying? They didn't have, they needed their Geritol, their vitamin B12. I I wish we had time because I want to know how Adam Sliwa 2, how that race is going to go down. Oh, man. You see how Trump is pulled away from Biden in the polls? Yes. I bet you if you did a poll right now, Mm -hmm. it would be even Stevens. In fact, we should get a poll done. Me versus Eric Adams. What would happen if it was round two? I have a feeling, just based on me being out there, a lot of moderate Democrats would say, this time, Sliwa 